with me in your devices or in your, in your hard copies. <laughs> I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades. This is the word of God. Well, I want to uh, welcome Adam Long. Why don't you come on up, Adam? Don't be uh, sitting back there when you need to be up here preaching. (laughs) It's great to have Adam here. Adam's been a friend for a number of years. Adam hails from East Fremantle Baptist Church. And uh, Adam, it's a pleasure to have you with us this morning. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, church, why don't you welcome him and open your hearts. Can I pray for him as he comes to share? And uh, then we're going to look at this passage together. Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the truth of your word, for the revelation that you have made, your self-disclosure. We thank you that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. And we thank you that through the scriptures, we see you in your glory. And so for our hearts now, would you open them? For Adam's, would you fill him with peace and courage? And would you meet with us as the scriptures are opened? Would you minister into our hearts today and in our midst be glorified? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks, mate. Thanks, sir. Well, good morning see you all here. It is wonderful uh, to be here with my, my wonderful wife and my two beautiful gremlins. Uh, we, uh, we actually were on sabbatical at the start of this year and spent some time here. I've met a few of you. Uh, we sp- I think we came along around four weeks and we were greatly encouraged and blessed in our, our time with you. Uh, and the kids loved Kids Church, so you must have wonderful Kids Church uh, leaders there. Uh, but it, it is great uh, to be back here today. I do want to, yeah, just say and, and be honest, uh, I am a little bit nervous. Uh, 
I've been back from sabbatical for a while. Uh, I've been involved in other ministries, but this is the first time I've preached in about six months. Sorry, Paul. Uh, so if the wheels fall off, a pre-thank you uh, for bearing with us. I'm sure everything will be okay. We're not in a controversial book or anything like that, so it'll be fine. But I am confident uh, that, you know, I mean, you just read the passage. It's amazing, isn't it, this picture of Jesus? I'm confident that God has something for you today to speak to you, uh, to encourage you in your faith and in your life as you live for him. So can we come before our great God together? Uh, let's um, bow our heads. Let's uh, pray and cry out to him now. Our great God and Father, we thank you uh, for this time we have together and we thank you for these great words we have sung about your glory and your majesty and about the peace that comes through knowing Christ, the Lord of the universe. We thank you for this time we have uh, to meditate on your word together on this, this absolutely marvelous passage about Jesus' magnificence and we we do want to ask for your help, uh, that you would help us to understand it. Please help it yeah, hit our minds, but also our hearts, that it might be on, at work in our lives, Lord, as we just commit what we are doing now to you, our God. Amen. Well, have you ever been in a situation where you have you know, really been quite frightened, or, or maybe it's been in a place where you've actually feared for your own life. Um, my wife and I, when we're on our honeymoon, we'll, um, we're heading uh, south to the south of Singapore uh, to an island. So we're still at Singapore in the port on the, this kind of large ferry and about to head our way across the ocean. But it was a very stormy day. And as we, we looked out, uh, we saw these two tornadoes going from all the way from the water up to the sky. And it was kind of fascinating. We weren't actually scared at this time, but I said to Beth, Beth, I'm pretty sure that's the direction we're, we're heading. And the thing is, is that, yeah, we we're, were very fascinated. We took photos. It was interesting. Then they started getting a bit closer, and that was, that was getting a little bit more hairy. But they made their way kind of to the north of our position, and uh, before they hit the land, they kind of dissipated, and it was all good. And soon afterwards, actually, the ferry took off. Uh, we headed out to sea. And... The, the problem was it was still kind of stormy. Uh, and as we went, as we made our way, I don't know how far we were, but uh, the, you know, the fog got thicker and thicker until all of a sudden the boat just stopped and we kind of seemed to be idling and going in circles. Uh, it seemed that the, the mist was so thick that they couldn't safely navigate the waters anymore, so they kind of had to, had to stop. And we just sat there and we waited and we waited and we waited, and for what felt like kind of hours, you could tell there was this nervousness growing across every single person on the boat. It was dead silent. And that's the thing, is that this whole time, in this, this whole situation, there was no announcement kind of coming over the, the intercom speaker saying uh, anything to let us know what was going on. There was no voice over that intercom saying, look, everyone, it's okay. Uh, we'll just stop for a moment. Everything's, everything's fine. We're just... Uh, waiting until the, the water's clear and then we'll move on. Uh, so there's no need to worry. But there was absolutely nothing like that. It was crazy. We were just left there sitting, wondering, you know, were we even close to land? We didn't know. Were there rocks? Were we about to kind of 
come, come on, on top of some rocks? Or was there even some more, you know, kind of tornadoes coming? It was, it was pretty scary. Beth and I were actually both quite frightened, and so was everyone else on the ferry. But eventually, the fog did lift a bit, and you could actually then start to see out into the water, and we made our way to the island, and Beth and I had a great honeymoon. Well, after I got food poisoning, and then Beth tried to run me over the golf cubby, then, <laughs> then we had a wonderful time. It was great. But I start with this story about being stuck in, in the fog and the mist, because in life, it kind of feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? It feels like we're trying to navigate our way through just this thick fog. And sometimes it just feels like we can't even see clearly. We don't understand what's going on. And that can be confusing, can't it? It can be, it can be a little bit scary. You know, we, we look around the world and our concepts of morality and justice and our values are just changing right before our eyes. There's also, of course, wars that we're aware of. There's military unrest in parts of the world. And of course, sometimes in our own life, isn't it? In our own immediate circumstances, uh, we just feel confused. Things come up in life, you know, un- unexpected illnesses. We have tensions within our family. And, and there's so many pressures that come with going to school, isn't there? There's so many. And also there's uncertainties in our workplaces. Of course, many of these tensions and pressures and uncertainties, they come about many times because we simply follow Jesus. Because we identify as knowing and following Christ. So how are we to survive in this world that can cause so much confusion and fear? It'd be good, wouldn't it? It'd just be wonderful if someone would kind of just come over the intercom and tell us everything's okay. It's all fine. It's under control. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? It'd be good in those times when we're confused if we could just have a clear perspective, a clear way forward so that we could navigate through the fog of life because then we wouldn't be so frightened or confused, would we? Well, as we look at this wonderful uh, passage today, as we dive into it, this first chapter of Revelation, uh, this is something we're going to be looking at. And we're not going to be covering everything in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter 1. There's so many wonderful uh, pictures here, isn't there? We're going to focus in particular on this phrase that occurs where God says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Let me just read verse 8 again in chapter 1 where God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Uh, You've probably become quite uh, familiar uh, with the Greek alphabet over the past few years uh, with uh, the wonderful COVID. You know, we had that Alpha variant and then a few others, and then we had Delta, uh, that was a, a bit of a heavy one, and then of course they got to Omicron, and they stopped there for some reason, maybe they thought they were going to run out of letters, but it, basically here, God is saying, isn't he, he's, he's the Alpha and Omega, that's the first letter, and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, it's equivalent of him saying, I'm the A to Z, and here God is using the first letter and the last letter to symbol- symbolically kind of cover everything. He is the Alpha, that is. He's, he's before anything. Before anything existed, he was. It kind of means, doesn't it, that no one and no thing has anything, any influence or anything like that of God being God. He is the Alpha. By him, all things first came to be. But he's also the Omega, isn't he? And that 
in the end, everything centers on him. And, and even if the universe ceased to exist, he would still be. It's basically saying this, isn't it? That he is the eternal one. He is the sovereign one who's you know, completely outside of all things and over all things. Now, I, I get pretty fascinated by this. But I've got a question for you. Uh, how far is the nearest star to our planet, to planet Earth? Some people are thinking the sun. Yeah, that's great. You're very clever. Uh, I mean, like, in terms of stars that we call stars, like, how far is the nearest star? If you don't know, that's, that's good because it's pretty far. I've got it up on the screen in a couple. There it is there. It's an easy number to remember. It's 42 trillion, over 42 trillion kilometers away. That means that if you could travel at over a million kilometers per hour, it's pretty fast, it would take you four and a half thousand years to get there. Like the galaxy is big, isn't it? It's massive. I don't know if you ever kind of remember um, being in the countryside. If you haven't experienced this, you've got to. You know, the first time ever that you're, you know, in a place where there's no ambient light and you just look up at the stars. And it's like you can see every one of those millions of stars in the galaxy. And, and then, of course, you, you think about yourself and you think, man, I'm just a tiny speck of dust on this amazing place. So, you know, this planet that's revolving through at a phenomenal rate through the galaxy. It's, it's just mind-blowing, isn't it? The universe is incomprehensible. But then how big is God? He is very big, isn't he? He's marvelous. He's more. He's the Alpha and Omega. He existed before the universe even was. And one day, when it all, if it all comes you know, to some sort of cosmic meltdown, he's still going to be, isn't he? Now, it's, it's, it's full on when I think about those sort of things and, and try and wrap my mind around how big God is. He is big. He is so strong. He is so mighty. That's what this passage is saying. He's indeed completely other and so when you look around at this world we live in that can be you know very scary and chaotic as countries rise up against other countries and as leaders make threats against other leaders although it's scary we don't have to be afraid do we god is much bigger i just sat an exam on tuesday that can be pretty nerve-wracking but god is much bigger than that you know, if we're facing someone at school that's bullying us, God is much bigger. If we have to stand up in the workplace for what we know is right, despite, you know, the pressures not to, we don't have to fear, do we? Because God is much, much greater. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's, he's completely sovereign over it all. There's nothing, friends, that catches God off guard. There's nothing in history nor in the coming future that can ever get away from God. He is in control. So we don't have to be afraid. And you're probably sitting there wondering and thinking to yourself, like, Adam, I know this is true. Like, I know that. I know God is sovereign. I know that he's sovereign over everything and that I don't have to fear. But if I'm honest, I'm pretty darn frightened at times still. It's like saying, do not fear. Like, do not think of a, a giraffe on a beach. We can't do it, can we? Well, there's something else in this passage that I think gives us even more, uh, even more something to give us 
uh, help to deal with fear. We um, read this wonderful passage, and in chapter 1 we uh, read that John, he's uh, on the island of Patmos, he's not on his honeymoon, he's actually been kind of, you know, cast out, he's been exiled from society, left there, deserted, all because he follows Jesus, all because he was preaching and proclaiming Christ. And we read that he hears this mighty trumpet sound, this voice, and then he turns, doesn't he, and he sees, sees someone. And this is a good tip for actually reading through the book of Revelations. Tip number one, every time John hears something with his ears and then he looks and sees, it's actually focusing upon the same thing. So John here, he hears, doesn't he, this booming voice and then he looks to see a man. But it's not any man, this, it's this king, king-like figure standing there. He's got this sash around him. And then he goes on into more detail to describe what he looks like. I'm going to read it again. Uh, from verse 14, he says... The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. The Marvel superhero has got nothing on this guy. This is all kind of language, isn't it? That's speaking of someone divine. He's godlike. And then verse 17, John continues, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is Jesus that John sees, isn't it? And we know, we know this well. Uh, but we know this in particular because of verse 18. He says, doesn't he, I died and behold, I'm alive forever. It's clearly, clearly Jesus. He's the only one that can claim that statement who died and is alive. So can you see here, though, what Jesus is saying? He's saying he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the one who is before all things and the completer of all things. Um, I have uh, some family uh, who belong to the Jehovah's Witness sect. Uh, and yeah, I love them very much. I, I love seeing them. And uh, if you kind of ever wondered in particular where, where Jehovah's Witness differs from Christianity, well, it's in this. It's that they claim Jesus is not the Alpha and the Omega. Rather, he's some created being. A mighty being, but a creative being. And, and I think this is a really clear example of what happens when you take your ideas and you come to the Word of God and you try and make the Word of God fit your thinking rather than you know, letting it transform your thinking. And I have to say that this is a great teaching point for us because we've got to be careful. Like, we might greatly frown upon JWs for you know, kind of getting texts about Jesus wrong and rightly so. But when we come to God's Word... We're always going to come with ideas in our head, aren't we? And we ourselves are going to be people that when we come to God's word, we're going to come to it like a well, like seeking to draw meaning out of it, not, not pour meaning into it. We're going to come expecting that God's word is going to shape and transform and maybe confirm our ideas and certainly not the other way around. So the question is, how do we know we're not coming to this passage with our own kind of ideas and trying to make it fit? 
How do we know that when Jesus says he's the first and the last, that he's saying the same thing as what God states in verse 8, that he's the supreme one, that he's the Alpha and Omega? Well, there's two ways. I'm going to do a little bit of a Bible study, so we're just going to pause for a moment. The first is actually a helpful principle for understanding the book of Revelation. Uh, And it's that when it comes to understanding this this marvellous book, it's helpful to know that almost every image and symbol and picture that we are given, it's kind of not just given out of nowhere. It's not drawn out of a vacuum. No, it actually is drawn from the Old Testament many times, isn't it? So when Jesus here is saying these words in Revelation 1, he's actually making a clear connection you could say, to what he's already said in the Old Testament. And so there's, there's a tip for understanding Revelation. Tip number two, if you want to understand this book, Revelation, then it's good to understand the Old Testament. And I guess that goes for, for all of the New Testament as well. So if we want to understand Revelation, we need to understand our Old Testament better. Uh, so I've got two Old Testament passages for you. Um, there's a few of them, actually, that say the same thing. But these are both from Isaiah. So let me read them and tell me what you think about the connection that Jesus is making here with Revelation. I think we've got them on the slide there, yep. So this is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. And another, about four chapters later, he says, Listen to me, Jacob, Israel, whom I have called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My own hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heaven. It's interesting, isn't it? These are kind of two verses from Isaiah where God is speaking to Israel and to the nation saying that he is the one who is in control. And actually in particular, if Israel themselves, the people of God, thought that they were were in trouble or because they'd been conquered, conquered by other nations... Well, you know what? These so-called nations, these so-called gods, they are nothing. It's God who is everything. He's the great I am. He's sovereign and supreme. And friends, we see, don't we, here, that Jesus is using these exact same words now in Revelation. He's saying, I am. That's the great name that God revealed to Moses, isn't it, at the burning bush. The same name he uses in Isaiah. Jesus is claiming that name for himself, saying, I am the first. I am the last. When he says it, he's very much saying the same thing, isn't he? I am the Alpha and Omega. And there is another way we know this is true, because when we uh, end up at the end of Revelation, Jesus does this wonderful thing where he takes all of these different phrases at the end and he ties them and groups them all up together. He wraps them up for us. Uh, Let me read for you from Revelation 22. Jesus says, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It's pretty clear, isn't it? When Jesus is saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega, or I'm the one who was and is and is to come, or I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end, it's speaking about the same thing, isn't it? That it's not the nations, it's not evil, it's not chaos, it's not any ruler or power that is in control. And who should be feared? No, not at all. It's Jesus who is supreme. 
He is the one who is sovereign and he is before all things and all things are actually for him. And as we read in that passage, he is the one who holds the church in his hand. He's with them. He's in their midst and there is absolutely nothing that can eternally harm them or hinder hindered from his saving work, his great saving work. Can you see though that our faith and trust then, it's not in our great and marvellous God who's totally other, who's you know outside and beyond us. Our faith and trust is in the one who came near. It's in the God-man Jesus Christ who came in the world to save you. That's who our trust is in. He, he is the answer to our fears. He's the answer to our confusion, to our fogginess. He's the one who, who kind of comes over the intercom and says, it's okay, I'm in control. Trust me. Trust me. So what should knowing this do for us today? Knowing that Jesus is the I am, the Alpha and Omega, what, what should it mean for us? What should it do in us? Well, friends, here's a question that uh, is certainly for me each day when I wake up and, and I'm positive it's for you right now and it's this, it's how much is, how much is my perspective and uh, understanding of life based on the world and the fear it causes compared to having a clear picture of the reality of who Jesus is. That's the question for us today, isn't it? How big is your view of Jesus? How big is it? Is it like John? In John, he receives this vision of the reality of who Jesus is with hair blindingly white and his face like the sun, his eyes like flaming fire and a voice like massive ocean breakers roaring. And John says in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet though dead. Does this picture of the Lord Jesus, does it like amaze you and yet at the same time make you want to fall on your knees at the reality of who he is? It's, it's kind of crazy and, and amazing to think about that the first Christians who read this, who received this uh, revelation from John, that they faced many threats uh, from, from around the world, both local, from the emperor even, as do many Christians in the world today. And here John gives them this marvelous vision and perspective that overrides any fear that the Christian might have from anything, from any threat, any emperor. It's Jesus who is in charge. The great I am, the Alpha and Omega, he holds the church in his hands so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Rather, the call is for us to be brave, isn't it? I don't want to be afraid, do you? No one wants to be afraid. Like, we don't want to be found on that last day as found as not being brave for Jesus, but being a coward. We don't want to be found like that, do we? And I have to say, friends, like, in my life, I know what it is to be brave. I certainly know what it is to be, you know, to kind of cower in fear. And of course, if we don't have the right perspective to cling to, I have to say there's likely the chance that we're probably not going to default to being brave. We, we need a clear perspective of who Jesus is. 
Uh, I've got an example for you of a time that uh, I kind of wasn't brave and a bit of a coward. Would you like to hear that? Yes, yeah, I'm sure you would. That's great. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, my wife, uh, wife's parents, uh, they were farmers. Uh, they're retired now. Uh, but this was early on when we were married, actually, my wife and I. And it was uh, coming close to dusk. And they found out that the city boy had never been uh, on this thing called spotlighting before. A lot of you probably know what spotlighting is. It's when you've got a, a light on the back of a ute and you go and you try and at least cull down the, the rabbit population. And so they took me out. Uh, Beth's dad was driving. Uh, I think my wife was in the, the front seat, probably kind of navigating, keeping a lookout for rabbits. Uh, and my mother-in-law was on the spotlight and they gave me the, the weapon, the gun. Uh, so we were driving along and it wasn't too long before we actually saw a rabbit and I think I had a shot at it and maybe missed. Uh, and then we turned around and drove uh, after it. Best dad was on it and then all of a sudden, you know, I think he's yelling out, shoot, shoot. And then uh, he had to stop all of a sudden because it changed direction and went straight behind this brick wall, in between the brick wall and a, a metal, uh, I don't know if it was a, a water tank or a grain silo. It was kind of on the back of the the shearing shed, so I'm not sure what it was. But it went there, and I was about to shoot, but before I pulled the trigger, I thought, oh, I've seen enough movies to know that there's this thing called ricochet, and brick, metal, doesn't sound too good. So I kind of pulled my, my rifle down, and then uh, all of a sudden, before I could even think, best dad, he's a farmer, he's already out of the car, he's got his shotgun, and he's lined up right next to the ute, about to fire. I think Beth's mum's moving in to tell him not to shoot the water tank, uh, and what did I do? I quickly ducked away, because I, I think I yelled, ricochet, and I ducked behind the closest thing to me, which, of course, was my mother-in-law. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I want to be clear, I didn't grab her and put her in the way. I kind of just ducked, ducked out of the road. But I did, did think straight away, like, like oh, that, that wasn't really a good thing to do. And I, I said to Margaret straight away, like, Margaret, I'm pretty sure I just used you as a shield, kind of. <laughs> But it's a, it's a good story, not because it talks about mother-in-laws, but it, it's a good story because if you think about it, that's kind of what happens when our, the front of our brain shut down, isn't it? We kind of can default in that default position of cowering in fear. But when we've got an awareness, a confidence and an assurance, especially when it comes to the Lord Jesus, then there's little reason to fear despite even if we are in those scary situations. So we need to see Jesus, don't we, for who he is. We need to daily have his voice coming over the intercom, whether it's just getting up in the morning on your knees and thinking about who Jesus is from passages you've read, or getting up and reading, reading the scriptures. We need that clear voice telling us that he is in control. Because if we openly follow Jesus, here's the, the, the basic truth of the matter, we are going to be ridiculed. We are going to be teased going to be rejected we're going to face insults and that is scary isn't it it is scary and if we're not ready we may cower in fear but knowing and grasping hold of the reality of who Jesus is it will lead us not to fear because not only is he sovereign over the circumstances but you know, we have this call to be faithful because he's worthy, isn't he? Those words, he is so majestic. He's so completely other. 
He's so awesome and he's the awesome God who came and laid down his life for you, to give you life. He's, he's risen from the dead. He's conquered death already. He's indeed worthy, isn't he? He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of, of being ridiculed for. He's worthy of suffering for. He's worthy of living for. He's worthy of, of dying for. He is worthy of our faithfulness. He's worthy of our faithfulness. What does that look like? What does it look like to be faithful for Jesus? Well, right now as I'm speaking, there's probably things coming to your mind of what it means for you, what it looks like for you to be faithful right now for Jesus. And can I encourage you, like, don't go home today letting it slip away. Hold on to it. Bring it to God. Be honest with him. Tell him what it is. And make a commitment to live for him, to be faithful for him in that. Because he's calling you, isn't he? He's calling you not to fear, but to be faithful, to be courageously faithful for him. Well, I'd normally uh, close in prayer, but I thought it'd be a good idea to read some of the word of God. Let the word of God uh, finish up today. And I just want to open up from the end of Revelation and read a little bit from Revelation chapter 21, as we come to a close this morning. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water. Water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children.